we have just some things that we want to share with you in how, how to live your life, like all in for Jesus, like 100%, and how to keep going. And for it not to just be while you're young, but also to encourage you not to wait to give it all away, like not to... It's fine. Anyways, but also encourage you, like, don't wait to live your whole life. You know, sometimes we think, oh, like, I'm young. Let me have a little fun. And then, like, when I get older and bored, like, then I'll live for Jesus. No. Like, this is the most exciting time mm-hmm. of life. And it's more exciting yeah. when you're living for Jesus. So those are just some things that we're going to share with you today. And I know what we're what Becca was saying, it, like, the Lord really encountered us when we were in college. But also... Because we've been in this situation too, but those of you who are not in college, those of you who are young professionals, you know, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, anyways, so (laughs) (laughs) moving on. Um, Those of you who aren't the college age, but you still, you think that your life is running out, that is a lie from the enemy. It is never too late. It is, if you think like, oh my gosh, I'm like almost 30, I'm almost dead, you know, it's like, what does that make me? He's still alive, guys. I'm alive. (laughs) You guys have hope. No, I'm just kidding. But really, when, it is not too late and you are not, it's it's not, you're not missing out on something, okay? You are not missing out on something because those, like, you could jump right in and God could like use you amazingly. In this generation. So don't count yourself out either just because you're not young. You're still young. You know, yeah. we are, you, y'all are young. Y'all are yes. still young. So embrace that, right? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And it's here. <laughs> <laughs> but embrace it. But um, what we're going to talk about today are tips that really helped Becca and I in our relationship with the Lord and what it was like to serve him relentlessly and with no reservations, you know. And I... What this generation needs are people who will run to Jesus no matter what. They need, this generation needs people who will be relentless in their relationship with the Lord, unafraid, um, like unhindered basically with this world and fully free in the presence of God, mm-hmm. pursuing him with everything that they have. So I really want you to open your hearts uh, this evening Yes, and I just want to say, too, like, take notes. Because I, I really felt during worship, I felt like God was saying, like, there are some people here who have been looking for, like, how to take the next step in their relationship or, like, with God and, like, how like w- wanting more with God. And maybe you've been looking for some sort of, like, spiritual, like, cloud or encounter. But God, I felt, I really felt like God was saying, like, the, these practical, like, tips that you're, that we're going to share tonight is going to help some of you guys, like, take that next step in your relationship with God. So I encourage you to take notes, write down whatever the Lord's speaking to you so that you can go back and remember and, and meditate on it. Yes. Um, and this talk, just so you know, before we jump into it, we're going to just kind of take it casual. So it's going to be casual yet serious. So just be, com- like, Becca and I will just jump back and forth um, on each other, just whatever we're going to say. So... Um, and share a lot of like personal testimonies on like how this has affected us and helped us in this. So take notes, be hungry, be thirsty for the presence, be desperate, huh? and just go after him with everything. So what we're, go- what we're calling this sermon is uh, Dear Young Christian. Um, and this is whenever you hear the words or uh, something in the beginning of something that says, Dear so-and-so, 
what do you guys think of? A letter, right? And it's like, dear, fill in the blank. It could be any kind of, like, it could come from anyone or whatever, but I, like what most of you said, I, I think of a letter. I think of something that was specifically for me, you know? Especially if it said, dear RJ, I know it was direct, uh, directed specifically to me. Dear young Christian. And so we, we feel like this is something that God is speaking directly to each and every single one of you. And we're going to go straight into a scripture in 1 Timothy 4, uh, chapter 4. So be ready for that. Um, but a little backstory before I run, uh, read this. Thank you. <laughs> a little backstory um, on this is Timothy. Um, who in here knows about Timothy in the Bible? Timothy was a young follower of Jesus, someone that was super radical and relentless to pursue him, was leading people, was, was pursuing Jesus and being transformed so he could change um, the people around him, okay? So that was Timothy. And this letter, in, whenever you read the Bible, um, who, by the way, is enjoying the Bible reading plan that Encounter Church is doing? If you haven't jumped on it, yeah, jump right on it. It's so exciting. It's great to read together, you know, um, the same thing what we're all reading. So uh, shameless plug there. So first, uh, the Tim like whenever you read in the New Testament about Timothy, um, this is directly for Timothy. So you could think of it like dear Timothy, dear young Timothy. And who knows who wrote um, the books of First and Second Timothy? It was Paul. And I want to give you a little backstory of who Paul was. Paul, um, if you don't know who he was, he was a radical, basically anti-Christian. He hated all Christians and the Lord touched him and changed his life completely. And now he was... Um, he, he was this, uh, the most known apostle um, and follower of Jesus, helping um, plant churches, helping raise up people and preaching the gospel where he used to martyr Christians, throw them in jail, do all of these crazy things. But at this moment, Paul, towards his, his relationship with Timothy, was basically his discipler and mentor. And when I read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy... I think of it as a dear young Timothy kind of letter, as in, hey, I'm speaking to you as your discipler, as your mentor. Let me help you grow on some areas. So this scripture, um, what we're going to read, just to give you that backstory and to, uh, to receive it in that way, okay? So you guys ready to read it? So let's put it on the screen, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 16. All right, she's sure, y'all. Okay, if you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the mes message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas, old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. In this letter, just so you know, there's a lot of encouragement, there's a lot of correction, there's a lot of, like, confrontation. So just take that as we're reading that. Verse 8, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. 
This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, particularly of all believers. Verse 11. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Do not let, let anyone think less of you because you are young. Any young people in the house? All right. Be an example. Let me read that again. Be an example. Can you guys say that with me? Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. I want to read that again. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Verse 13, until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into the, your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Let's just pray real quick before we jump into these points. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you want to bring truth to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we, you open our hearts right now, God. We just choose today to align ourselves with you and we, we open our minds, our, our hearts, our spirits to you that you could change us from the inside out. I pray, Lord, that you will anoint the, this word, anoint Becca and I as we, we share and teach and preach this word. Lord, that it will help us uh, be transformed um, and to renew our minds, Jesus. I pray, Lord, speak to each person here and change us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, again, this was Paul, his discipler, speaking to Timothy. And so I want every one of us to put ourselves in Timothy's shoes, you know. Um, every person here, just relate to what Timothy, who Timothy is, because he represents us right now. And Paul is speaking to us, and he wants to help us in this. So, and the thing about this letter, like I said earlier, is um, there was a lot of encouragement in here, but there was also a lot of correction, and there was a lot of um, confrontation. There was a lot of um, bringing light to certain things. There was a lot of direction in this little passage. And when I think of that, I just really think of what true discipleship is like. You know, I find it very um, necessary that if someone like Paul took time to pour into someone like Timothy, and someone like Timothy, a young person, to allow someone to speak into their life to help them grow is all the more reason for us to realize we need this kind of wisdom. We need discipleship. Mm -hmm. And this letter was so powerful enough that God wanted it in the Bible for all of us to know and to read and to understand. And so discipleship is so crucial in our life. And the basically, the first tip that we want to give you, young, dear young Christian, is to welcome correction. And this is something that Timothy proved to Paul that he was willing to welcome correction. 
So this is something that in this world, this generation is so not used to. Nobody wants to be told wrong. Nobody wants to be told that you, you need to work on this or this isn't right. The way you're speaking is wrong. Nobody wants to, to, to welcome that, basically, in this generation. And that's where we go wrong. That's where a lot of confusion and lies happen um, in, in this generation. And I think sometimes with that, we think, like, oh, yeah, like, no, I totally welcome correction, you know? And, like, I have a discipler. I meet with them, you know? And then, like, they say something, like, to correct you. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know? Yeah. And so, (laughs) or, you know, maybe you're not even being discipled, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, like, I would totally be fine if someone, like, corrected me and helped me, like, follow Jesus closer, but you haven't even committed to, like, a discipleship relationship. So I would just encourage you, like, number one, maybe ask your discipler, like, hey, do, am I someone who welcomes correction? Like, when you, do you feel comfortable? Like, do you feel like you can be honest with me and tell me, you know? Or if you're not being discipled, like, you know, talk to one of us. We would love, like, to, to disciple you and help you grow. So, you know, I think sometimes in our head it can be easy to be like, oh, yeah, like, totally, like, I welcome help. But, like, let's be real. Like, do I really, you know? Yeah, and one of the ways that you could really find discipleship is in your discipleship group. Mm -hmm. So that's why we really push. Get involved with discipleship groups. Find a a group of people that you could walk with and that leader who is leading that discipleship group could speak into your life. You know, they could speak truth into your life. And so all you got to do, I encourage you, get plugged in to discipleship. Um, Also, in the Bible, it talks about seeking growth and correction from those who are wise. In Proverbs 19, 20, it says, listen to to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. As in, it is wise for you to get advice, to get instruction, to get wisdom, to get discipline. It's wise. Because we need to seek out the truth about things. Like, if you were in going to school to be a doctor and you felt the need that there's no reason for me to go to any of my classes because I can learn on my own, when you go into the, uh, into the operating room, you know, uh, someone's life is really at stake, you know, because do, have I, do I really understand what's going on? Do I understand what this thing is that cuts people open, what this is called, you know? Like, we need discipleship to help us grow in areas that we want to go to, which mm-hmm. is, in this case, to be a strong follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we need strong followers of Jesus in our life to tell us the truth. You know, when I was young, when, um, younger, that I, I, f- I remember the time where Pastor Hunter um, started discipling me, and I was a very hard-headed person. Like, I did not like to be told. I did not like to be told at that point, like, what my mistakes were because it's like I was a perfectionist type of person. Like, I want to perform well. I want to do well, and I don't want any mistakes to be seen. And when, when I got corrected... Like, the attitude came out, you know, the, 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 the ugly side of RJ came out. And when that u- ugly side of RJ came out, Pastor Hunter put that ugly part of R- RJ away, you know, he, <laughs> through discipline and correction and confrontation. And the thing is what, and we'll get to this point too, but the thing 
sometimes when we get corrected, our tendency is to want to run away. But it only makes you stronger if you receive it and you run with it mm-hmm. when you don't quit, you know. So I really encourage you to seek that growth, seek correction. Ask yourself real quick, who, who's that person that I go to? Mm-hmm. And newsflash, it can't just be your friend, yeah. you know. Your friend can't be your discipler. Don't be confused, though. Your discipler could totally be your friend. But your friend cannot be the one like, okay, we've been friends for a few years now. You want to start discipling me? Yeah, and I'll disciple you. It doesn't work that way, you know. You need to find someone that is further along in your relationship, in in their relationship with the Lord than you are, and allowing them to willingly pour wisdom into you, correction, guidance, and all of that stuff. So I know it's tough, but it's necessary, you know? So I really encourage you, find that and ask yourself, am I doing that? So point one is welcome correction. Yes. Uh, Let's jump to point number two. Number two is read the word of God habitually. So if you've been a part of Encounter Church, you know we're reading the word of God together in 2022. And so reading the word of God, it like, it means opening the Bible, whether it's on your phone or a real Bible, having a plan, reading the Bible every day. Every day. You know, because I like sometimes we think like, oh, well, like I, I see verses as I'm scrolling on Instagram or I hear sermon clips as I'm, you know, on TikTok or whatever it is. But like sermons and like books do not suffice. Like we need the actual truth word of God in us. And I can tell you, like, when I committed to read through the Bible for the first time when I was in college, like, it, it really, like, opened my mind and, like, made me realize, like, the, how good God is. You know, it, like, made me see, like, kind of the whole picture of who he is instead of just, like, the bits and pieces that I had known from, like, growing up in church. So I encourage you guys, like, read the Bible. Yeah, and... The reason why it's so important to read the Bible is because, like we prayed this, uh, this evening, that God wants to give you everything that you need. And everything that you need is in the word of God. The truth that you need is in the word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and a few things that the word of God does to us when we read it is it reveals our identity and our purpose. It gives us understanding on how to live for Jesus. It guides our steps. It gives us joy. It purifies us sets us free, it corrects us, it transforms us, it teaches us how to think. Um, These are all things that are found in the Bible about the Bible, you know, and it's very important that we, you know, in the, in the word, Jesus says, like, um, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, you know, and that G, that, that the word of God is basically the bread that we could eat. It, it, um, satisfies everything that we're craving and mm-hmm. wanting in life, yeah. you know, and I don't know about you, but um, trying to find things that will satisfy my life outside of the word of God always ends in disaster. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's kind of like pouring water in a cup that has a hole already. It's like never going to fill up, you know, but Jesus is the only one that could fill up that cup that you need. He could restore that hole in your life. So you could be able to sustain what Jesus has for you. And so we need to realize the world can't do that. People in this world can't do that. But there is one that can do that. And I want you to know that there's, don't run away from him and don't run away from the word of God because he has everything that you need. So reading the word of God habitually, 
you want to say something about that? No. Oh, real quick. The Bible, um, in Psalm 119, 119, just so you know, 119, chapter 119, <laughs> is the biggest chapter in the Bible. And you know what it's all about? The Bible. And it says why the Bible is so beneficial for us. Mm-hmm. Like why in the world we need to read the Bible, what it does. And it, it, we need to be people who read the Bible every day. Mm-hmm. Habitually. It means it, like in habit. It means patterns. Mm-hmm. It has to be a pattern. Not just like, I feel like reading today, I'll read today. Oh, I can't read because like I just don't have time. Yeah, well, you have time to scroll on Instagram for two hours. You know, it's like cut some of that out and read the Bible for 20 minutes. And that's what gives real life Mm -hmm. to you. So I really encourage you when when, when you make that decision, God will give you the ability to do that. You need to just pursue, discipline yourself and make it happen. And it's it's totally (laughs) worth it. So um, not only reading the word of God eventually is important. But number three is going to church regularly. And so this is a a big one. I just want to, like, clarify the importance of church, you know. And it's not about, like, okay, well, let me go find a church where, like, I relate to the pastor or where the sermons just really, you know, speak to me or where the worship is, like, really amazing. Now, this church has all those things. But. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you, like, the point of church is to have a community to be planted in and to grow with. And right now, like, in this generation, in this, like, Christian culture, like, in in the South, it's kind of like, oh, find a church that feeds you right. And if it's something you don't like, like, it's okay, go shopping for another one. You know, but, like, that's not the point of church. It's not so that you can sit in a service. Like, the point of church is to have community, to be planted, to grow. And sometimes that means, like, being steadfast, like pushing through when things are hard, you know, that means having hard conversations because people are all imperfect. And so, like, I, I encourage you, I mean, I know, like, most of you are, like, planted here, you know, and, it, and if you haven't made that commitment yet to be, like, all in, planted in a church, I encourage you, like, that's the only way your roots are going to grow deep. And I can speak, like, from my personal experience I mean, I went to church all my life because my parents went to church, you know. But, like, I didn't really start growing in my relationship with God until I decided, like, this is my community. Like, these are the people that I'm going to share my life with. And, you know, it's okay to have friends outside of church. But, like, if your friends are not pursuing Jesus as much as you are, then they're going to be holding you back, you know. And that's why we need friends in the church. But I'm not saying everyone in the church is pursuing Jesus. So, but in a church is where you can find, like, the people pursuing Jesus, going after Jesus. You know, that's where you can find the community life-giving friends. You know, if church is, like, a section of your life, but then you have your friends over here or it's, like, oh, church is what I do, like, Thursday nights or Thursday and Sunday or whatever, then, like, you're not really planted, even if you're here every single Sunday. You know, you're not really planted unless you're, you're serving. Like, we're not just here for us. We're here to serve people, to help people encounter God, you know, unless you have, like, real friends and real community here. Yeah, and the going to a church 
in the Bible it says that we are the body of Christ. We are part of the body, and we need each other. So as much we need you as much as you need us, as yes. much as we need each other, and that's the body of Christ. That's what yeah. makes us grow together. And uh, just so you know, social media cannot replace church. Yeah. Okay? Just doing, finding sermon clips on Instagram and all that stuff, those things help point you to where you could go, which is that church that it's coming from, but find a place, you know, mm -hmm. and, and here's the thing, Encounter Church, Wake, is the doors are open for you, and we're not going to force you to stay, but if you come and commit here, we commit to you, you know, and we want to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord, mm -hmm. but only way to grow is when you're planted, yeah. you know, because that's the only way roots could grow in a plant. You know, a, a plant, if you like to garden or if you like to have a plant in your dorm or in your room, in your house, whatever, you have to keep watering it. But the, in order for it to survive, the roots have to be strong and the roots have to grow. But every time you pull that plant out of the dirt and find another home, be like, okay, I don't want this church. I'm going to go here. What you're doing is destroying that plant. And we're all representative of that plant saying we need to find a place to be planted so we could grow. So our roots in Jesus could be stronger than ever before. So we encourage you, go to church regularly, not just when you feel like it, but go after, go beyond when you just feel like it. There are many times before, especially before when I was super, super young, that I did not want to go to church sometimes. And I'm just like, you know what, I just have to make it happen. And I don't regret anything, you know. I don't, you don't lose anything committing to church. What you gain is everything from God as well because you grow in that sense. So, go to church. Yes. Okay, so that's point number three. Point number four is work hard. Man, work hard. And this is a generation, and when I say generation, I'm not talking only about all of us, but if the shoe fits, put it on, and let's run with this, okay? But I'm talking about generation as in, like, this whole, like, everyone faces something like this, which is, we don't want to work hard. There's something about I want to make it, I want it to become easy in my life, you know. And I'm not saying people don't work hard for, like, their business to pursue, to, to grow in this. But when it comes to working hard, I'm saying work hard for your relationship for Jesus. Work hard to make it happen because I want to give you some perspective. Jesus worked so hard carrying that cross to nail himself there, basically, for you. You know, that's the toughest job anyone could have done, which was to be crucified. And Jesus did that. So he worked totally hard for our soul. And when we work hard for Jesus, it requires us to do the opposite of what this world is saying, and that's to be lazy. Laziness is a sin. Laziness is from the devil. It's from our flesh. There is nothing lazy about God that he is telling us to be lazy. No, that's not how God is. Because God says in, his in the Bible, it says, never be lazy, but work enthusiastically for the Lord. Be filled with zeal. And we sang it today, zeal for you completely consumes me. Sing it out. <laughs> yes, 
we saying all about zeal and what we are saying, because sometimes zeal is a weird word. It's like, what does zeal even mean? But it's a cool beat, you know, I'll sing it. But zeal is basically serving the Lord enthusiastically, with excitement, with joy. And when we are serving God with zeal, there is no room for laziness. So work hard. And the best way to start working hard in your relationship with the Lord is to get plugged in and start to serve. To start to find a place to serve in the church that you are being planted in. Because, in, and the thing is, sometimes when, when our relationship gets tough, and I don't know about you, but pursuing Jesus could get tough sometimes. You know, because we have issues. You know, we got issues. We are facing all kinds of crap of the world and facing our own consequences because of our own decisions in life. But the thing is, like, we all have these things that we're facing, but God says to endure through it all, to persevere and to not give up. The thing about this, this world is that if it's hard, it's okay. You could just give up and try something else. When your relationship with Jesus gets hard, the world wants to tell you, told you, just give up. It's okay. You don't have to wake up early to serve. Just give up. You don't have to read the Bible every day because you can't do it. It's tough. There has to be a reason why you can't do it. So give up. The world wants you to give up. But Jesus says to endure, to persevere. Yeah, and, you know, all these things that we've been talking about all require, like, discipline. You know, like the discipline of reading your Bible, the discipline of, like, being committed and going to church, the discipline of working hard even when you don't feel like it. And then we're about to talk about these things, a few more things that have to do more with, like, the condition of our heart and, and just surrendering our heart and allowing God to, like, you like use us and work in our heart. So... You know, and I think sometimes grow, growing, like, we're, we're looking for, growing in our relationship with God, we're looking for something spiritual or some awesome feelings, like the goosebumps during worship, you know, but sometimes it's discipline. Like, it's just the discipline that pushes us further and pushes us closer to God. Um, and real quick, yeah, go ahead. Galatians 6, 9, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Pursuing Jesus is good. Going yeah. to church is good. Reading the Bible is good. Being in community is good. Being in discipleship is good. So don't get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Yeah. God wants to pour out blessing in your life. He wants to reveal purpose in your life. He wants to bring a relationship in your life, a godly marriage in your, in your life. He wants to bring truth into your life. But it's kind of conditional in the sense of our heart. He says, at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if, if we don't give up. Exactly. If. Yeah. It means we, if we don't give up, the promise of God is he's going to give us everything that we need. What yeah. do you need right now? That's what you got to think about. Yeah. What do you need from God right now? Do you see it? No, not yet. So don't give up. Because soon enough, he's going to give it to you. You know? So don't give up. Yeah. So number five is let God elevate you. 
And so this is a question of where is your heart? Are you doing all of this because you want to like be elevated? You want a position? You want some sort of leadership? You want some sort of recognition? You know, is that why you're serving at church? Is that why, you know, you're showing up every Sunday to check it off the list? Or, or are you going to let God elevate you? Are or you even, even if you're not doing any of those things and you just expect to God to give you a position already or whatever it is just because you expect him to do that, mm -hmm. you know? So it works both ways. Yeah. Self-promotion self is wrong when we're talking about, like, a position that only God can give. You know, God is the one who, who calls up like leaders and pastors and, you know, whatever. And so it's not like it's not our job to go find an audience or find people to, you know, like call us a leader, you know. And so I think to, in today's culture, like there's so much self-promotion, you know, and like it's, it's okay, you know, or side hustles, like let's do it, you know, like but but. As far as a position in the kingdom of God, like, I'm not God. So I'm not going to put myself anywhere. I'm going to let him elevate me or not elevate me, you know. And I have been, like, it, like I've been there where it's like, gosh, like, why do I have this opportunity yet? Why hasn't somebody noticed me yet? I've been working so hard. Like, what the heck? And then I have to check my own heart. Like, am I trusting a leader to recognize something in me? Or am I trusting that God is going to put me where he wants me to be when he wants me to be there? Whether the leader, you know, like, maybe there's something wrong with the leader, you know? But is God bigger than that to you or no? You know, so, like, that, like I always think of the worst-case scenario. Okay, well, maybe this leader, like, there's something wrong with them and they're not noticing me. Well, God's bigger than that still, right? You know? And usually that's not the case. You know, it's just my own attitude. It's not anything with, with the leader. And, and since she said that, you know, one of the perfect examples of what God is more powerful. God could elevate you whether or not the leader is the one that elevates you. Because right. think of David. King yes. David versus King Saul. Saul was a crazy maniac that wanted to kill him. He didn't elevate him. God elevated David because he was faithful. So we need to understand that the thing is, like, what we're trying to say is that we have, we, we want sometimes, those of us following the Lord, wanting to be used by God, we're, we're anticipating something to happen in our life. But it isn't, it can't happen until God appoints you to something to, uh, to, to elevate you for a position or something like that or what you're looking for. The thing is, when we are looking around and comparing ourselves to other Christians and other followers of Jesus, especially um, self-proclaimed, and I'm not saying all of them are like this, but self-proclaimed preachers and teachers and whatever on Instagram, on TikTok, the thing is social media is very filtered. Mm -hmm. But what we need to be is unfiltered Christians mm -hmm. in our life. And, and the only way that could happen is if we let Jesus be the one that brings us up. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Anoint, God appoints someone, and I'm going to use King David. Well, he wasn't king yet, okay? He was little old shepherd David, you know, faithful to his dad's sheep, David. Youngest of seven better-looking, tougher Stronger brothers, David, that David is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about King David. 
I'm talking about before King David. And he was being faithful to Jesus. He was being faithful to his, his father's sheep. And so what happened was Samuel was looking for someone to anoint as their next king. And he for sure thought it could be one of these brothers. But then he realized at the end that God has appointed David. Okay? He appointed. And what that means is he chose David. He picked David. He's like, okay, him. And what he looks for are people whose hearts are ready. Okay? So he saw that David's heart was ready. It was pure. It was pursuing God. He appointed him. And then what happened? Maybe you haven't read this yet. But Samuel's like, you're the one that God has chosen so I have the olive oil, which represents what? The anointing of God, and I pour it over, okay? He got poured over. And so that's where we stop, you know? That's where we stop in our pursuit with God. We think, okay, I'm anointed. That means I'm going to go and start preaching. I'm going to go and start doing all these crazy things that God has called me to do. Hold up. Hold up. Wait a second, you know? David, his, what he was appointed to was king. But was he king right away? No. No, 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 no. Who was king? Saul. Crazy old Saul, that little nutcase, you know. He was the king. And David understood that. And David submitted to leadership. Mm -hmm. He submitted to God. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're in this generation, we're like, I want to be you by God now, you know. I have these ideas and I have all these things. Maybe you're anointed, maybe you're appointed, but do you have the authority of Jesus? That is the missing key. Why? David was appointed and anointed to be king, but was he a, did he have the authority of king? No. Not yet. Not yet. I don't know. And so this is something that rings strongly in my spirit because when I realize I can't just do something because I know I'm called by God and I'm anointed by God, but has he given me the authority yet? Not yet. Why? Because the way God works is when we want authority from God, we need to submit to the authority that God has placed in our life. And so we need to understand that anointing and appointing is not enough. It's the authority that God gives us to cast out demons, to, to preach the gospel powerfully, to move forward in what God has for us and the vision and the, and the call that God has for us, okay? So I just want to encourage you guys, just because your time isn't now doesn't mean the time isn't coming. Mm-hmm. But the only way you can position yourself for the time to come is when you position yourself to, in submission, yes. and then from there, he submitted no matter how many spears King Saul threw at him to try to kill him, and he kept going back to him. No matter how many times he felt tempted to, to throw him off his, his throne, and he just cut the, the, the hem of his robe, and he felt convicted about it. It wasn't until he just let God continue to work yeah. in his heart, and he waited and waited, and he was faithful. Faithful. And he was being prepared. And he, yeah. Trained. In that. He was prepared, God was preparing him for something that he couldn't have done yet. Mm-hmm. But that was all because of the submission of leadership yeah. in his life. And I, I want to encourage you, don't compare yourself to those who are on Instagram. Whether or not they truly do have the authority, you don't know what they had to do to get mm-hmm. there. But maybe they don't have the authority. 
you know? Maybe they just have a great number of followers. And I'm not saying any specific person. I'm not because I don't know. Only God knows what's in the heart. So I encourage you to give you some peace in this. When it comes to God elevating you, you have dreams. You have aspirations to be used by God. Submit that to him and let God raise you up for what's to come because what's the missing key is the authority, Mm -hmm. you know, because you could do all this and then without authority, it's just kind of a waste of time. And it's like, what did we really impact? And that's why I think all the time it's like, Lord, I need the authority from you. Mm -hmm. I need you to tell me when it's the right time to move, you know, and sure enough, like King, he did. David didn't even have to do anything to get Saul out of the picture. God did all of that. Yeah. Okay? So I encourage you guys, don't stop doing what's good, tying this into the last one. But let God elevate you, yeah. you know? And when that time is there, like, whoo, man, you're going to have the authority that God has called you to do, yeah. and it's going to be powerful. But to have authority, you have to submit to authority. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that we're talking about. So, to operate, to fulfill your calling and authority requires us to submit ourselves to authority. Which leads, uh, is there anything else? Is that part? (laughs) Which leads us to our next point, which is point number six. And this is one of the crucial ones that I felt the Lord was really saying is to be loyal. Mm -hmm. And this is something that is taken for granted in this generation again. You know? Loyalty is more than just liking someone, you know, and being like, oh, I'll stay by your side because I like you because we vibe, you know, because we're on the same, you know. It's not enough. That, like, that's not enough for loyalty. That doesn't prove your loyalty. Loyalties happen when chaos is amongst the, the, the atmosphere and then when the dust settles, what side of the, the, the line are you standing with this person, you know, and with God. That's what true loyalty is. And God, I felt like I was saying we have to be loyal. We have to be people who are loyal. Um, Proverbs 3, verse 3, it says, Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Loyalty needs to be something that we value in our relationship with God and in our relationship with other people. When I, when I say people, I'm talking about other followers of Jesus. Yes, be loyal to others as well, but when you want a strong relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, you need that loyalty. Yeah. When you want to be loyal, to, and, and I'm not only talking about friendship, I'm talking about leadership too. Mm-hmm. David was loyal to, Saul, to King yeah. Saul no matter how crazy he was, you know. Mm-hmm. He was loyal to him. Because he valued loyalty. He knew the results through loyalty. Mm-hmm. And we're in a generation where loyalty is not even given a second thought. Mm-hmm. And I want that to change. Because loyalty is a value of God. It, it, it's a characteristic of God. And a few other examples besides David and King Saul, some good on both sides example is Ruth and Naomi. And I want to give you a picture. This is one, like Ruth is one of my favorite books of the Bible, and because it shows such a quality of loyalty 
that someone is willing to surrender every dream, every thought, every desire that they have for someone that they felt that God has called them to tie themselves with. And what happened? She married someone that was in the family line of Jesus, so she got the privilege to be, what was it, the great-grandmother of King David. You know, if she wasn't loyal to what God has called her to do, she would have missed out yeah. on being part of this transformative story and, and event through King David, which led to King Jesus. Man, it's like you look at the resumes, it's like my resume says, I'm the great grandmother of King David. You know, I'm in the family line of Jesus, all because I was loyal mm -hmm. to what Jesus called me to do. Loyalty is something that is sacred in this generation. And I encourage you guys to be people who are loyal. And I'm in two ways. Be loyal to your leaders. Be loyal to those in authority in the church that you have planted, that you are planted in. Ruth and Naomi was an example. Elijah and Sam, Samuel was also um, an example. Jonathan and David is an example of true loyalty. Loyalty, in the sense of what they were doing, okay, was fighting for someone's vision and making it their own. Ruth said, don't send me away. I want your people to be my people. I want your God to be my God. Mm -hmm. And that represents, I want your vision that God has given you to be my vision. You know, when I, like, the reason why I moved here to Georgia, it wasn't my dream. It was Pastor Hunter's dream, Pastor Hunter and Liz's dream, and I wanted to stay loyal to that because I knew who he was in my life. And when I was loyal to that, God, I did not have this planned in, in, in the books, you know? But through that loyalty, I knew God's promise is going to come through, mm -hmm. however, and here we are. You know, and I look at every single one of y'all and look at the discipleship groups and look at things that we're doing on KSU and for the young professionals, and I just think, Man, like all that because I decided to be loyal mm -hmm. to someone else's vision that became my own, which birthed out a vision within that that came from God for us, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and I just want to talk about like what does loyalty look like practically like in our life, you know? And what, what it can look like is like, okay, maybe your leader or whatever, they're, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do it this way, and you're like, why are we doing it this way? I feel like we should do it this way. This doesn't really make sense. And then disloyalty would be like, do you know why he said we're going to do it this way? Like, I don't, yeah, I know. Like, this doesn't, like, why? You know? And then, like, that's just like a little seed of, like, gossip or slander or, you know, like, disunity. But loyalty would be like, oh, that doesn't really make sense. Let me go ask him. Or, uh, like, either let me go ask him if it's really an issue or, you know what, God placed him as the leader, not me, so we're just going to do it the way that he says and, like, run with it. And someone's like, do you know why we're doing it this way? Uh, you know what, he's the leader, and I think what he says is, like, going to be the best way, so, like, that's why we're doing it. But if you have a question, go ask him. You know, like, that, like that's, like, the little things that, like, it can start. Or, like, with a friend, the same thing with a friend, like, you know, oh, pretending like everything's fine, you know, with a friend and like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we're good. And then, but really she did something that offended you. Go talk to someone instead of telling her, you know. 
And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I'm not going to hang out with her anymore because she said that thing. But I never told her that she said that thing. So, And then all of a sudden you guys, your, your friendship starts to drift. Does that make sense? That it could be like so little, you know, but loyalty is so important. And, and like that's why relationships are so important. Having those real conversations are so important because otherwise we don't go deep with people. You know, and like on Instagram, we can pretend like everything's fine, but really there's nobody that's close to us. There's nobody that really knows us because we just, you know. <laughs> and if you could really get loyalty, and we're not saying like there's a, a picture perfect way to be loyal. Yeah. The perfect picture of that is Jesus, obviously. Like he was loyal to the father and he didn't. He didn't quit the crucifixion, you know. He was loyal to us by taking our place and all of that. But I just think loyalty, the, the quality of loyalty, what really shows that is commitment. Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways to, like, to talk about that is through marriage. And with Becca and I in our marriage, like, loyalty is a no matter what situation. Like, even if we get in an argument. But we don't do that, right, baby? No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, we... We do get into arguments. We do have um, disagreements, but we are loyal to each other. And I'm loyal to her in the sense of, like, even if I don't really understand, my love for you matters way more than what I think because I'm loyal. Because I want to always be connected and, and united with you because this is what we're supposed to do. So loyalty is a commitment. Mm -hmm. Loyalty is regardless of what's happening. It's a loyalty is I want to understand where it is. Loyalty is I'm willing to lay myself down for yeah. you. Loyalty is no matter what we're fighting about, we're not, I'm not just going to run away and, and look for someone else. Yeah. Loyalty is good, the bad, and the ugly, you know? And no matter what happens, loyalty is like I'm, I'm there when the dust settles, even if nobody else is. Jesus is like that to us. He is completely loyal. When the whole world has abandoned you, when your mother father has abandoned you, Jesus has adopted you as his own. And when the dust settles, Jesus is there, no matter what. So I feel like loyalty is something that is super, super, super crucial when it comes to this generation. We need to be people who are loyal. And this requires that commitment because of the body of Christ, we need you and you need us. We need each other. So being loyal is point number six, which ties in perfectly with point number seven, which is forgive much. Without forgiveness, loyalty cannot exist. Mm -hmm. Why? People and leaders, let me say that again, leaders will inevitably make mistakes. We are not perfect. Y'all are not perfect. People are not perfect. Wait, hold on. Before going deeper into that, one thing about loyalty I do want to say is not just loyalty about leaders, mm -hmm. but be loyal to your friends. Yeah. You know? You need a good, close group of Christian friends that you could be loyal to. Mm -hmm. And when you guys get in an argument, don't let that be the thing that drives you away yeah. and burns bridges. Yeah. Just because there's disagreements, that's what the world does. Yeah. But Jesus says, you prove that you are my disciples by the way you love your brother and sister. Yeah. And loyalty is one way to prove that love for each other. Yeah. So if you have angst against each other, go to point number seven and forgive much. Yeah. Okay? Because that's what's needed in this generation. That's what's needed in our relationships. 
People make mistakes. Leaders make mistakes. You and I make mistakes. Okay? Just say this, just say this um, together, okay? Just say, I make mistakes. Say it. I make mistakes. Say it again. I make mistakes. I make mistakes. Look at your neighbor and say, you make mistakes. You make mistakes. Look at someone else and say, you also make mistakes. You also make mistakes. But I want you to look at them again and say, but I'm loyal to you. But I'm loyal to you. Say it to one more other person. I am loyal to you. We need to understand this, you guys. This generation, this generation is filled with bitter people. It's filled with offended people. It's filled with hateful people. When we start to see mistakes, sometimes our initial response is to run away. When we start to see mistakes in other people, it's a reason for us to jump ship. You know? But in order to go deeper in a relationship with people, we need to be people who forgive much. We need to be people who say, Lord, you're, you're, you're basically like what, whatever they've done, wrong, we're all going to be wronged and we're all going to wrong someone. Yeah. Okay? I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to say, like, I've offended many people and people have offended me. But you know what? That's inevitable. Oh. <laughs> Whose phone is it? <laughs> Y'all got this. <laughs> we forgive you. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, so we need to, we will, owe, like, I've been offended and I have offended people, you know? The thing is, we're not everybody's cup of tea, and that's okay. God has, God has made everybody the way he wants them to, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't forgive just because you don't like something about someone or because they have offended you or they have um, hurt you or said wrong things. I'm not saying their actions, like, are valid because of what they've done. You know, people wrong other people. But what matters more is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. What matters more, and I'm talking mainly because the body of Christ. In order for the body of Christ, for our, our unity to flow, forgiveness is what makes the blood flow in, in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Because when we, when we don't forgive, we basically cut the circulation of a body. Yeah. You know? And, and, and what happens is it causes death. If, if my hand was just wrapped around the string so tight, like right now I wouldn't really understand, I wouldn't really feel it, but then given time, you're going to start to notice something is wrong with my hand, that it's starting to turn purple, that there's no circulation coming. And to the extent of it, it could become crucial where it has to be amputated, you know? And that's not a complete body. And the thing is, forgiveness is what lets the, 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 the unity flow mm -hmm. within the church. The thing is, like, yeah, I mean, were you going to say something? <laughs> oh, it looked like you were. <laughs> but really, this is something that we have to discipline ourselves in. Why? Because in Mark 
11:25, it says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. The thing is, it's not that God didn't forgive your sins. It's that when we hold on to unforgiveness, when we hold on to bitterness and anger and offense, we, we reject the forgiveness that God has for us. We reject that, that cleansing of his blood, that cleansing of what he could give to us, that new life through forgiveness. And so when you need life from God, we need to realize I need to receive his forgiveness through releasing any kind of unforgiveness I have towards people, you know? The thing is, really, people will make mistakes. Your leaders will make mistakes. Your friends will make mistakes. You will be offended. You will get hurt. But the answer is not to cut them off, to burn bridges, to find a new group of friends. That's what the world does, you know? They, they always encourage you to cut people out of your life if they don't give you, like, life or something like that, you know? And I was just thinking today, you know, I mean, we always hear, like, we were made for relationships. But really, like, our, like, the desire of our heart is for, like, deep, real relationships, you know? And maybe we've been hurt so much that we don't realize that that's a desire in our heart. But really, like, a good friend is, like so like good for the soul and I was just thinking today like seeing Caleb here like he does so many things and he comes and he serves here and he like plays the drums for us you know and I'm like gosh he's such a good friend you know and we've known Caleb and Bree like since we were in youth and I was just thinking like wow like what a blessing it is to have good friends and we've had like things like there's so many reasons that we could have been offended with each other, mm-hmm. you know. And, but we talk to each other. We forgive. We work it out. And, like, now we're friends yeah. that have known each other since, you know, 10 And we're serving the Lord over together. Years. And, yes, and, and we're serving. And now we have little kids that are learning, like, about Jesus together. Yeah. You know, and, like, so that. Cute. Yeah. And, I mean, not that everyone's going to have, like, that story and be in the same place for whatever. But. Like, it's possible, you know? It's possible to have lifelong friendships. And it's possible to, like, do the hard work with people and have good friends and serve God together. And it's awesome. Yes, it really (laughs) is. And really, we have to be people who are quick to to respond through forgiveness. Maybe it's not quick enough, and that's fine. Like, we could really work on that. Like, the Lord could give you grace. Yeah. And the ability to forgive, you know? Yes. Um, and I think that's that's something that I've, I've held dear in my life where I'm not going to cut people out in my life, you know? Like, that's not biblical in the mm-hmm. sense of, like, like, because I'm offended or I've been hurt. But if there's a relationship splintered, I really don't want it to be any reason of mine as in, like, I'm the one that cut that relationship off. You know, and so understanding forgiveness and, and valuing that not only does that and I, maybe some of y'all have heard this, but like if you don't forgive, it's like you're drinking poison that you want the other person to basically react to. But the one that gets hurt is you. So we need to be people who forgive for the sake of our peace, 
for the sake of our relationship with the Lord and for the sake of our health, spiritual health. So I know this is a big concept to hold on to, but don't hold on to offense, you know? Learn, and there's a whole chapter about love, you know? 1 Corinthians 13 talks all about love. And one of those things that says that love has no offense, love doesn't hold any record of wrong, you know? And, and these are the things where I realize if I want to forgive, I need to love the way Jesus loved. And which gr- brings us to the last point. Um, and Jordan, you could come on up and change the nice atmosphere of the presence of God <laughs> with the piano. So we could get this last point really strong. But last point is to live radically for Jesus. And this is something that living radically for Jesus requires surrendering everything to him. And the thing is, in verse 7, in 1 Timothy 4, um, that chapter 4, it says in verse 7, it says, don't waste time Mm -hmm. arguing over godless ideas and old wise tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Mm-hmm. It says instead, train yourself to be godly. And what we want us to understand, it's like we need to be people who live radically for Jesus. A- and it means giving up everything for him. Mm-hmm. And I want to just say like when I was 17 years old, that's when I really got radically touched by God. And I realized that if I don't give him my all, then I'm going to miss out. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I, I wanted to learn what it would mean to live radically for Jesus. And I learned that it requires a lot of dying to myself. It requires a lot of sacrifice and surrender, submission. It required a lot of fighting for unity, for my holiness. Mm-hmm for the truth, and do I regret it? No, not at all. People in this world will say, man, you're gonna miss out on a lot of fun. It's like, boy, the one that's missing out is you because you're missing out on the best fun ever, Mm -hmm. and that's serving Jesus with all my heart. And the thing is, you can. You can live radically for Jesus, and you can give everything to him. You don't have to wait till you're older You don't have to feel like you missed out because you feel older, you know. God wants you to be completely radical for him. And this, a few things about it. It's don't waste time, but be godly, you know. Be eager to let go and release unforgiveness and bitterness. Pursue holiness. Pursue purity, you know, when, you, when you're pure and you seek holiness now, what you do is plant seeds of purity and holiness into a godly marriage that you may be wanting. Mm-hmm. Don't wait till that happens. Don't wait till you get married for you to pursue holiness because what's going to happen is it's not going to happen so easily. Mm-hmm. 
pursue the presence of God. Sometimes we're only here like, oh, I want my daily or my weekly dose of Jesus when I come to church. No, pursue him every day. If, and there are things that may, we may be replacing our relationship with Jesus with other things of this world. Whether it's ambition, you know, I want to do this. This is what I feel like this is my calling and my purpose, you know. But I'm, I'm letting go of my relationship with Jesus or my pursuit with Jesus in certain areas. And we got to be people who pursue the presence of God. Also... Be people who don't gossip or slander, you know? This is all part of loyalty. This is all part of, of the unity of Christ. But be careful about gossip. Be careful about slandering people. Be careful not just about leaders or anything like that, but your friends, about people. Also, don't, don't be slandering um, preachers and, and people that, uh, like, well-known preachers and teachers or whatever it is, um, because there's so much of that in this world that's saying, like, this person is crazy. They don't hear from the Lord and stuff like that. It's like, stop. Like, we don't have time for that. There's no point of, like, trying to prove a point that someone's wrong, whereas we could be using that energy to pursue the one that is right, which is Jesus. Don't waste time on godly talk, gossip, all that stuff. But instead, train yourself for godliness. Okay. Put, your, put others before yourself. This is another thing when it comes to living radical for Jesus, living a life of sacrifice, living a life of surrender. But with everything that we've said, the most important thing is living desperate for him, realizing that if I don't have that everyday relationship with him, I'm just going to be thirsty for something. And... Is there anything you want to mention before we jump into that? Okay. I feel like God wants us to respond to many, if not all, to this. Maybe that's you. Maybe you relate to one of these things. I'm going to read them again. It's we got to welcome correction. That's point one. We got to read the word of God habitually. We got to go to church regularly. You got to work hard. You got to let God elevate you. You got to be loyal. You have to forgive much, and you have to live radically for Jesus. And no, these are not the only points, but I, we felt like these are the points that this generation really needs to hear when it comes to pursuing Jesus. And at the end of the day, it is totally worth it. You know, my whole college career was probably one of the best times of my life because of how I lived for Jesus, you know? Like when I was in college, living for Jesus at that time was powerful. And then I graduated college and I'm like, man, what could get better than that? And then this, you know, it just gets better. It keeps on getting better.